All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. My name is Lucas. I'm joined by my partner in crime here, Justin. Hello, everybody. And we are um, at it again with another artist to talk about. So, uh, again, want to say thank you to everyone that's been listening, everyone around the world. I'm just continued to be surprised by the different countries that keep finding this, like... I just don't understand how people are finding me and why they're all love Coldplay. <laughs> I was going to say, they're all listening to your Coldplay episode. Yeah. There, I do have other episodes, by the way, but no, I'm not going to pretend like I've got some complaint about. I'm I'm very happy that something that I've made has gotten so many listens. So um, I'm very, very grateful. And hopefully we'll continue to... Um, create more episodes that will have the same amount of um, interest. And so we are going to definitely be getting into new territory with this week's artist. We've dabbled a little bit in heavy metal before and actually ended up being one of our most popular episodes. It's my second most listened to by a long shot. So... Most of my episodes are averaging about 30 to 40 listens per episode. And then, of course, we have Coldplay that's, you know, sitting at the mid-400s. But then my Metallica episode, which I feel is like my weakest episode as far as kind of how I presented it. And just me rambling kind of without aim. For those of you that have listened to it, I apologize. This is kind of why we've changed the format of it. Um... And, but everyone loved Metallica, apparently. I mean, they are one of the biggest bands of all time, but I've been shocked that that has gotten more attention than, say, the Beatles or Queen. It's just Metallica. Well, Queen is your favorite band, so yeah, but there's a little bias there. But here's the thing. Queen kind of is the biggest band in the world right now. I mean, with the Bohemian Rhapsody yeah, movie... True. And they have just been reading a lot of statistics about, like, they've pretty much doubled their total streams just in the last year, which is just insane. And their record sales are higher than they've ever been before. Like, everyone loves Queen right now, but, you know, apparently Metallica and Coldplay have a bigger draw. And so we're going to see if uh, if this episode has a similar... Uh, trajectory. Because what are we talking about today? We're talking about Slipknot, a band that has a lot of connotations that come along with its name, and a lot of people have opinions about this band. Um, I wanted to do them now because they have a new album that has just come out. came out on August 9th, and it is called We Are Not Your Kind, and... I have to say, I've really been looking forward to this album, and just I thought that this would be the perfect time for us to talk about it. For those of you that have seen the title of the episode and decided to listen to anyway, and maybe metal is not your thing, first off, you are very brave. I really appreciate you stepping out of your comfort zone, and um, hopefully you will be surprised by what you hear because I think that a lot of people assume what they're going to hear and then they end up hearing something that's a little bit different. 
Yes. And so... Um, you can definitely count me in that. This week was very, very difficult for me. Yeah. Metal is not my genre. It is not my preferred taste in music. Not really my favorite thing to listen to, but... I'm not saying that I will listen to them again, but I was slightly surprised at what I heard. Yeah. Through these songs. That was, that was the point. And what we'll do is, you know, we'll... Because I know we're kind of shaping this like a musical journey, I think that it's important that, you know, in the future I'm going to take more deliberate steps to kind of, if you've never listened to metal for the first time, give you things that are a lot easier to digest. Slipknot is kind of a tougher band to get into, if especially if you've never listened to metal before. I listened to heavy metal for 10 years before I finally got into Slipknot. And mainly that was because a lot of metal fans that I knew that were like metal purists said, don't listen to Slipknot. They're just for angsty teens that wear black and hate the world. You know, they're not, they're, they're for emo kids that want something a little heavier. You know, they're not real metal. So what are the defining characteristics you would say of Slipknot? Well, I'll start off by saying that I would say of the last 25 years, they've been the biggest metal band in the world. Um, I want to, well, maybe not 25 years. It would be 20 years now. This is the 20th anniversary of their debut album coming out. But they really have been the ones to take over from Metallica as far as just being the the biggest metal band in the world. And it's kind of really crazy that they did that. Because the key ingredients that make up Slipknot are so anti-commercial. They thrive on an abrasive, in-your-face, make-you-uncomfortable sound. The whole point of their, not only just their sound, but their way they look, the way they present themselves, it's meant to be shocking and it's meant to jar you. Um... One of the core beliefs of this band is to provide a place for all the outcasts in the world. For people that don't fit in in their schools or fit in with, you know, different friend groups. Or people that have been cast away by the society's norms. You know, the, the freaks and the, um, the losers in the world. And saying that we will be your people. We will be your voice. We will be the place that you come to and you're going to feel like you belong. Because everyone else has told you they don't want you. But they call their fans maggots. Yes. And so the way that it's been described is that because they feed on the dead flesh of society. (laughs) Which... Slipknot fans love it. They love being called maggots. And they uh, they also, the idea came from uh, one of the band members. The One of the leading creative directors is one of their percussionists. His name's Sean Cray, and he's known as the clown. Because he always wears some kind of clown mask when he's on stage. And he said that he saw a dead animal on the side of the road once and saw all the maggots, you know, feeding in that. Whenever they were all, like, piled in, they looked like a crowd of moshers. Just the way they were, like, tumbling over each other and, like, pushing <laughs> each other around to get to to the part that they were wanting to get to. And he was just like, it's kind of like a, it's like a, 
a metal concert right here. <laughs> and so, and then he came up with that idea of kind of to justify, but yeah, they love, they love the name. They don't take it as derogatory. They don't take it as Slipknot being, a, you know, offensive to them. That's just, that's, they feel like that's how society sees them anyway. And so they're just like, fine, we'll accept the name that you gave us and we're going to wear it proud. So what are the things when you're listening to Slipknot that are, you know, okay, this is them. Um, so there's nine guys in the band. That's a, that's a huge number. Like most bands do not, once you get to that number, that's when you're starting to deal with like symphonic bands that have like multiple string and brass and all that. For So to, I'll kind of run through everything and this will kind of show you everything you're going to hear in a Slipknot song. You've got Corey Taylor, who's your lead singer, who has such a versatile voice and can just on the flip of a switch go from pretty great clean singing to just these savage barks and snarls and screams um you've got two guitar players you've got um which I'm, I'm blanking on one of the names right now but i know one of them is jim root and they're both share lead duties it's not one's lead and one's rhythm they both fill that void um mick thompson that's what his name is mick thompson jim root then you've got uh, bass player Paul Gray, uh, although now they have Acceleranjo uh, uh, Ventrilla. You've got drummer, used to be Joey Jordanson, now they've got uh, Max Weinberg. Um, no, not Max Weinberg, Jay Weinberg. Max Weinberg is the drummer for Bruce Springsteen, which, interesting connection there. <laughs> you've got two percussion players. Which is kind of where things start to get a little insane. Yeah. You've got two people that are literally just playing like big kettle drums. And they'll have like the marching snare um, apparatus where they'll just walk around. And it's just it seems almost like an unforgiving thing. But they're also such a big part of the, the visual element of the band. So you've got Sean Crane, Clown. And you've got uh, Chris Fane in those two percussion uh, spots. Then you have Sid Wilson, who's the DJ of the band. So he does he does all of their samples. He does yeah. them live, which is insane. That's pretty crazy. And does, you know, obviously adds in a lot of scratching elements and kind of adds in a lot of that techno and electronic vibe to the band. Yeah. And then you have um you have Craig Wilson, who is the keyboard player. And he's like the, the the reclusive band like no one's ever even heard him speak in public <laughs> like he is very notorious anytime they do interviews they try and interview him and he doesn't say a word you don't know you, few people even know what his face looks like he never shows up in public and so and you really don't hear him that often in Slipknot songs he's very much more of a support instrument but he's been there since the beginning there's been very f surprisingly few lineup changes in Slipknot's history, for having nine people and having so many people that seem like they're in almost unimportant roles. It's interesting. So, I say all that to say, those are all the things that are going on at one time in a Slipknot song. So you're going to have very prominent percussion yep. in every song. Because you've got pretty much three people playing rhythms at the same time. Yeah, You've got the, the actual drum set, and then you've got two percussion players that are either accenting or playing their own 
counter rhythm. You've got a lot more electronic influence than you would have in a lot of other metal bands. Yeah, that is something that I noticed. That's something that they don't shy away from, but I think that they do a really good job of... It's very subtle. Yeah. They don't hit you over the head with it, but it's when it when you do notice it, it's it adds some really cool elements. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then just so yeah, that's that's kind of the what you're going to get as far as what you're hearing in a Slipknot song. You're also going to hear very intentionally rough sounding melodies. Almost um a lot of dissonance. Yeah. They're not a very melodic band. Although they can be when they want to. But they love to employ melodies and lines and solos that don't have a lot of melodic sense to them. But rather it's more to create this feeling of chaos and um, uncertainty and just creating like a darkness. These are some of the things that I picked up listening through them. Um they actually do have some pretty catchy rhythm guitar uh, melodies that get played a lot, especially yeah. um, in the choruses and the verses a lot. It's very, it, especially when it's just by itself, it mm-hmm. actually is pretty nice. Um, <clears throat> of course, there's crazy guitar solos, Yeah. which last week we talked about ACDC, and it's kind of funny you just start to see kind of some of the similarities and what they were influenced by and there's mm-hmm. so many so many so many just so much speed as well and a lot of the solos I mean, mm-hmm. it's the technicality of course you have to appreciate and even some of their some of their songs are pretty anthem like yeah they are it's i think it's without those they wouldn't have gotten to the state that they're at right now yeah you've got to have some kind of anthemic quality about you if you're going to be the biggest in any of your genres especially if you're going to play to stadiums you got to have stadium songs and they've somehow managed to do that in their little niche and yeah, I mean, just they, they have been the biggest band. And I'd say they're bigger right now than they've ever been before. And why is that? Just they, they've been sculpting more of that anthemic sound. They've kind of, they've been doing it more and more as they've gotten older. Because their, their early stuff is super unmelodic, very chaotic, very dark, very gruesome, very... You know, just like screw you, um, and like very intentionally trying to be uncommercial as possible, and then kind of as they've gotten older and have kind of chilled out a little bit, I think <laughs> in their in their personal lives and kind of what's going on inside them, they've they've switched over to just writing these really great metal anthems while still retaining that darkness and chaos. And that kind of nihilistic look on life, they they have refined their songwriting a lot to where it's a, becoming easier and easier to get into them. So, yeah. Um, just a brief history kind of where their trajectory has gone. They are from the state of Iowa, which speaks a lot to kind of where they were. They even named their second album Iowa. They they describe their upbringing as very oppressive, as very, like, we're stuck in the middle of nowhere, and we're constantly being told that we have no future. And it's just a bunch of really um, 
a bunch of kids with ambitions of getting out of their small town and just trying to, you know, break free and get out there and escape everything that they've been through. And their first album came out in 99, self-titled. And they got really big right off the bat. That first album, that song, Wait and Bleed, uh, was a huge, huge hit for them. And it was mainly because of their um, appearance on Ozzy Osbourne's OzFest. I was going to say, I read some articles that basically said that they grew pretty rapidly and then they ended up on OzFest and that's when everybody started talking about them mm-hmm. because of how good they were live. Yeah. And uh, also, if you've never heard of Slipknot, the, the, the big thing that you kind of hear first about them is they all wear masks. They all wear matching jumpsuits. And it's just, it's, their live shows are absolutely insane. <laughs> like, you watch what's going on and you're just like, this... It's one of the things that drew me to them at the very beginning was I saw some live footage of them and I was just like, whoa. Like, they put on a huge effort. That's why I think it's the, the, the members of the band that don't do as much musically, they spend so much time stage diving and running around the stage and, like, getting in fake fights with each other and, like, throwing fire around and, like, just being agents of chaos that it's like... You know they're they're more than just percussionists or DJ that they are part of the the image of the band, and so um, got really big off that first album. Iowa came out after. It's their darkest record. It's a it is a tough tough record. We're gonna get into the song that I picked from there. That's the easiest album song to get into on that whole album, and it's the hardest song on this list. Um, then in 05, that was volume three, the subliminal verses. That's kind of when they had their, their mainstream break. Cause that's when they started writing some more radio friendly songs and started writing those anthems. Um, then in 2008, that's when all hope is gone came out and they grew even closer to that. And then when that album, after that album came out, their founding bassist, Paul Gray, died of an overdose. And that kind of threw the band into uh, a lot of uncertainty. They didn't know if they would continue because he was like one of the founding members, one of the main songwriters. And he was kind of like the one that everyone loved the most in the band. And um, and then also at the same time, their original drummer, Joey Jordison, left. And he was like the crowd's favorite member of the band because he was just, he's one of the greatest drummers of the 21st century. And so they took a really long time to rebound on that. Came back in 2015 with uh, five, the gray chapter, which is dedicated to Paul Gray. And now they're back in 2019 with the sixth album. We are not your kind. Still relevant. Yeah. Still relevant. More relevant now than they ever have been. I was going to say, I, read somewhere that metal music is the most relevant music right now or it's been it's more relevant than it's ever been before yes is how i should put it metal somehow is uniting everyone in a world where we're so divided right now metal is striving on unity because it's a place where people that feel divided can come together and feel united and it's a way for people 
because there's a lot of crazy crap going on in the world. It's the only genre that's going to really be brave enough to say face value. This is what's going on right now. And this is what is happening. And we're not we're going to tell it exactly as it is. And we don't care what you think. There's a lot of ammo for metal musicians to write about right now. Yeah, I'm sure. And there's also just something about people are are struggling with more internal things than ever right now. You've got so many people dealing with depression and uh, loneliness and anxiety. And this is also music that's writing about that. I've never heard so many people talk about a metal band like Slipknot when they say, this is a band that I felt they were singing directly to me. There's so I've I've been reading a lot of interviews lately of just people saying that they were dealing with depression and anxiety and wondering if they were going to ever amount to anything. And that when they heard Slipknot for the first time, they felt that someone finally understood them. And by also expressing in the lyrics that they also felt insecure and wondered if they would amount to anything and dealing with all these demons and whatever that they were just like, oh, I'm not alone. And I think that's the biggest thing that Slipknot has done. They're a very therapeutic band. They have spoken to a lot of people that have kind of cited them as, that's the only way I got through a lot of the stuff I was going through was their music. It's kind of a catharsis. So, call it what you will. <laughs> I think that it's not for everyone, but there's... it's. It's been surprising to kind of hear the impact that they've had. Yeah, I'm sure. And again, how long they've stuck around. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it certainly says a lot about that. Yeah. And that they're able to take such long breaks in between albums and still be able to come back and... Yeah. It almost creates a lot of anticipation. It's really, I think, a smart move. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing that I've kind of discovered about them is just how how big they are, how popular they are. Um you don't have to look very far to find out a lot of info or to find out about them mm-hmm. or how much they're loved. Yeah. So. But that's just kind of my way to hopefully explain kind of why why are they so big? Why are they so beloved? I just like listening to them because it's just some amazing metal music. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, yeah, they've just, they figured out a way to connect to people in a really unique way. And so, um, when we come back, we're going to dive into this uh, six set of abrasive, ugly songs. So, stay tuned. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. So uh, we're talking about Slipknot on this episode, and uh, it is time for us to get into the songs that we've picked for the week. So uh, if this is your first episode listening, the way we do is that uh, the episode that we do, the artists that we pick, 
Uh, I'll pick usually six songs, although I will break that mold from time to time where I see fit. I did eight songs for the Beatles one. Um, and what I'm doing is I'm trying to pick a set of songs that's going to represent that artist and have a great emotional flow from start to finish. So I'm not picking the six best songs, not picking the six most popular songs. Um, I'm picking the six songs that I feel like can tell a great emotional story from start to finish, the songs that fit well together. And there's some strategic things that I pick. So there's actually going to be quite a few really popular Slipknot songs that are not making the list. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't like them. I actually like them very much. They just did not fit in the vision that I had for this episode. But don't worry, we'll probably come back to them at some point. But we, um, I wanted to pick some songs that'll uh, fit with what I wanted to talk about today. So um, if you want to hear these songs, go to my Spotify page. I'm going to have the description in, or the link, the instructions in the description on how to find the songs for uh, each week. And what you'll do is you'll just find me on Spotify, and I have a playlist called the Good Music Podcast Edition, and that's where you're just an easy place for you to find uh, all the songs that we talk about every week. If you don't have Spotify, that's okay. Um, just I'll also have the song list in the description as well, and it'll just be really important that you listen to them in the order that they're presented, because there's a very specific reason why I put the songs in that order because that ends up influencing what songs I pick overall. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this list. And so the first song that we have is the newest song in Slipknot's catalog, and that is Unsainted. I'm surprised you started with the song, just because in all of our previous editions, you've started with usually either the first song or older songs that a band has done. Yeah. So, because of the fact that I'm doing this around the time that the new album was coming out, I wanted to have a new song to start off. And at the they have released some more singles since I've put this list together, but um, I felt Unsainted was the best song to pick of the songs that were pre-released before the album came out. And the first slot was the only place that I felt that it actually worked. What do you like about this song? So this is a song that I kind of didn't like too much the first time I heard it. Um, it was kind of a song that I felt was a little bit corny with the way that the vocal melody is written. Mm -hmm. But it's a song that's grown on me the more I've listened to it. And I found that it's a way more fun song to sing along to than it is to listen to. When you're singing that chorus along... It you kind of get this really powerful sense. It is definitely probably going to be the anthem of that album. I was a little surprised by the slow beginning of the song, mm -hmm. um, just based off of everything that I had already listened to or had read about with Slipknot. I was expecting something a little bit more in your face off the bat, mm -hmm. and that slow beginning kind of caught me off guard. I was just like, oh, okay, well, this is not too bad. This this list, I really wanted to pick Slipknot songs that had an atmosphere to them. And so I wanted to 
because that's a, that's a really a trait of Slipknot that I feel is not as much known about them. They're more known for being just aggressive and um, just really fast-paced and all that. And there's a little bit of that on this playlist, but they also do a really good job. And again, this is where some of the more ancillary members of the band really do a great job of just create, creating these eerie atmospheres and this sense of dread and uh, this kind of mournful feeling throughout a lot of their material. And so um, I figured that would be a cool way to start this update. It's just with this really creepy and slow beginning and then just kind of like get into it from there. <laughs> well, even speaking of which, what a frenzy of an ending to this song. Yeah. I mean, once they started going, I was like, oh, okay. This mm-hmm. is exactly what I thought this was going to be. Yeah. But I think the I think the one thing that I really did like about this song is I actually really like how it ends. Mm-hmm. Just with the feedback at the end and it's just like they just let it ring and it just kinda goes off yeah. there. I didn't I thought that was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, the, uh, the drummer that they have right now, uh, Jay Weinberg, not Max Weinberg, I'm not gonna make that mistake again, um, Jay Weinberg, I really, really like him. Everyone loves Joey Jordison. He is definitely one of the best, definitely one of the most influential metal drummers of the last 20 years, uh, but I like Jay more. I feel like he's a lot tighter. I feel like you, he has a lot more melodic nature to his drums. I know that's kind of an oxymoron to say melodic and drums. But just kind of the way he composes his fills and his grooves. It's very almost Neil Peart-like. Which, if you don't know who Neil Peart is, that's the drummer from Rush, who is my all-time favorite. Gotcha. Um, it's very, I guess, it's very lyrical. He's not just chaotically drumming and trying to fit in as many things as he can, which Joey Jordison will sometimes do. And Joey Jordison has a much more sloppy approach to the way he plays. I really love uh, Jay's really precise playing, and you can really feel that on Unsainted. He really drives a lot of this song. So that takes us to our second song, Pulse of the Maggots. Yes. Which, if you listened earlier, we talked a little bit about this because mm-hmm. they're specifically relating to their fans. Yes, this is this is a fan song. Um so the way that Unsainted ends with that with that guitar feed, I felt like that that was a good transition to then go into like that uh <laughs> that storm siren. Yeah, to start. So yeah, so that's kind of why it's I wanted to have something that's a bit more like setting the stage with Unsainted where you've got the eerie beginning and then you've got that big chaotic ending and then it's kind of like when that song ends that's when the true beginning of the set starts that's kind of like when you're just like now green light is on go and that's what pulse of the maggots and there's this chant chorus like chant that comes in Mm -hmm. with the siren in the intro as well yeah oh i love that intro it's just such a call to arms and um it's just again it's a, it's a song for the fans it's it's their it's their thank you it's their let's bind together it's let's take on the world um you know saying the band saying that they will do anything for their fans you know if i have to give my life you can have it um 
and just talking about, you know, when we're together, no one can stop us. Anything is possible if we try. We just have to band together. We are the people that everyone else hates, and that's okay. And so, you know, it's just kind of, it's it's for them. There's an interesting combination in the vocals where that's almost like, I don't want to say rap, but... Yeah, there's a lot of rap element in... Slipknot. I don't really get into it too much in this uh, episode as far as the songs they pick, but especially a lot of their early stuff. Yeah. There's there's parts where he just straight up raps. Because that's just kind of, that was the style of the late 90s, early 2000s. That's true. That was, they, they were lumped into the new metal scene, yeah. which that's new spelled N-U, <laughs> which is so great. But they have this, so they have this rap, and then you contrast that with all of a sudden now, then you have, you know, your classic screaming vocals in there as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing, one thing that I thought was interesting, you have this crazy panned guitar solo later on in the song. Ooh, that like, guitar solo is just nasty. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's so atonal. It's so dissonant. There's just there's no sense of melody at all in that solo. It's just this, the song just kind of builds. It yeah. starts off as like this kind of like groovy like riff based song, and then just as you go forward, it just gets more chaotic and yeah. more like, oh god, what's happening? <laughs> I love the part in the beginning where you've got the like. This some kind of sample, whatever he's like, like he's something that he's doing on the yeah. I was gonna say there's the some of the stuff that you hear in it. I mean, it just you start to think about just one how many people are on this band and just how it all contributes to this massive noise mm-hmm. that starts to envelop you. Yeah, as you get into the song, it's a song you don't as much listen to as you just kind of like get into, and it kind of just like takes you out of this reality and into this like musical entropy world and you're just kind of writhing and yeah <laughs> you're not like you're not listening just going oh yes look at the listen to the guitar part right here oh the drums are playing you're just kind of like you don't know really what's happening you're just kind of like in the moment and just riding the wave and so yeah i just i wanted to use that song as a way to just kind of that's like the moment where we push the momentum because we're not going to really get that momentum back once we hit the the second half of that of this list so this is kind of like the most overtly like aggressive pulse pounding but at the same time creating its own weird chaotic atmosphere and that takes us to our third song left behind mhm this song has such a classic metal guitar intro into yeah. the big drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is off of the Iowa album. And Iowa is a is a hard album. Even I have trouble listening to it sometimes because it's so dark and so twisted and so heavy and just devoid of any kind of light. This song, I mean... When I think of metal, mm-hmm. this is the song that I would think of. I mean, it's just, it hit every checkbox of what I thought a metal song would be. Yeah, this is this is the lightest song on that album. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because it's very heavy. It is, it is, yeah, it's the heaviest song on this list, I think. 
as far as just the br- the the brutal moments, especially the moments where he's screaming. Yeah. In there, those are the most ferocious screams he does throughout this whole list. Yeah, it just has such a classic metal feel, and there's this drive on the guitars, the pained vocals, mm-hmm. um, and but they're all kind of in sync a little together, and yeah, yeah, it just has a classic metal feel to mm-hmm. it. This was a big hit for them. It was kind of their only big hit on that album, because everything else was just there's no way it could have ever been. <laughs> There is a really cool breakdown, though, yeah. in this song mm-hmm. that I actually I don't mind. And, of course, the crazy fast guitar solo again that comes in. So something interesting to know about new Metal is that and, uh, Slipknot didn't really start to break away from this until the third album, is that new Metal is known for not really having guitar solos because it's more concentrated on the riffs and the breakdowns and more emphasis on vocals. And so on their first two albums, they really don't have very many guitar solos because that's just not what that scene was like at the time. Now, once they hit um, volume three, they kind of are not a new metal band anymore and kind of just more of a really heavy arena metal band. And so um, that's when you kind of you start to get more of the guitar solos. Um, but they're, uh, that's kind of that's a very indicative thing of new metal at that time is to have those kinds of breakdowns. And so um, that's kind of you know keeping in line with what was going on in metal at that time. And then similar to our first song on Sainted, they end with this guitar feedback ending as mm-hmm. well. But it's a really, really long fade. So long. long. Which I was really happy about because it set me up really, really well for the fourth song, I felt. Which is The Devil in I. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think this is my favorite song on this list. Yeah. It's it's a really, really great song. Yeah. It just... I think the thing that I liked about it was it just sounds fun to play. Like, Mm -hmm. I would play it. Yeah. It just sounds like a fun song. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what I just... You can kind of tell that this is later era Slipknot. Just, again, it's yeah. it's tighter. It's it's a lot more melody. There's way more clean than there is heavy vocals in this song. Yeah. Uh, I love the melody on the verses and the way it kind of goes really down. This is a really kind of more of a brooding type song. Yeah, I was going to say, there there are lots of deferring parts of the song. It's a little slower paced than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- and I agree. I think just talking about just the their growth as a band feels like there's a, more of a story to this song musically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is off of the Grey chapter, which is the album, you know, dedicated to Paul Grey that had passed away. And so there's a lot of um, songs that are dealing with that that sadness, that anger, that, you know, regret of could I have done more, making them look inwards, am I capable of doing something like that? Um, and, you know, trying to figure out how to move on. One of the interesting things I picked up too is uh, it almost sounds like like there's some strings in there with that bass guitar plucking, mm-hmm. kinda, especially in the verses. It's kind of... It's an interesting sound. Yeah. That would probably be Craig Jones on the keyboards. Um, so he's that's kind of where he, 
these are the types of songs that he gets to shine a little bit more. And then again, they have this long fade. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so at this point, this is where I see a big turning point in the list where we move away from the aggression a little bit. Yeah. Again, this is kind of a good in-between song. We're coming from such high aggression to we still got some aggression, but now we've got a lot more melancholy, brooding sadness yeah. mixed in there while still being... It's a very anthemic song. And moving now and having this long outro where you've got all of these sounds coming in and everything's just kind of slowly fading out. And that leaves the emotional part of this set at a very vulnerable place. And that's where I wanted to do something unexpected with Snuff. Which really caught me off guard because with this acoustic, mainly acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. driven song, I was just like, oh, this is not what I was expecting at all. Yeah. But still continuing on the theme with just pained vocals and very sad lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this song. I, uh, it's a shame because it's like you won't ever hear these songs live because it's just, you know, you're not using yeah. very, member, very many members of the band. Although this was a hit for them. They did release this as a single. It kind of reminds me of like a classic rock ballad, honestly. Yeah. With just a hint of yeah. that metallic component especially when the drums come in at the very end yeah that lead part towards the end is is nice it's got a really cool melody which mm-hmm. kind of it's still like oh yeah i'm listening to slipknot yeah, yeah. it's got some drive there yeah great vocal performance though um really kind of i feel like that song more than any other on this list kind of shows that Corey taylor's not just a screamer yeah i was gonna say this song really kind of highlighted the versatility of slipknot as a whole for mm-hmm. me and it's, yeah, it's again, it's an, it, this has to be a more of a later era Slipknot song because it's something they would not have done on any of their early material. Um, this is off of the All Hope Is Gone album in 08. So Paul Gray was still alive when they wrote this, but this is the song that Corey Taylor, whenever he's not doing Slipknot shows, he's doing other stuff. This is the song he'll play as like Paul Gray's memorial song. Mm. There's a pretty poignant video clip of him playing it live pretty soon after he had died and he like just at the very end just like breaks down and like is weeping on stage and so that's kind of the emotion I get every time I listen to it even though that's not what it's about it's like you can definitely fit that in and then true to Slipknot form there's this really cool ending I think at the Mm -hmm. end of the song just with the synth rise and fall they really do a great job of ending their songs. Yeah. There's not any... Kind of how in, in the Tears for Fears episode we were talking about fade-outs. Um, there's not... I mean, there's fades in the sense of like, yeah, it's fading, but it's not like over a riff that's playing. It's yeah. usually over like these weird ambient synth and guitar noises that are just kind of washing in and out of each other. And... That's what made this list so fun to put together because it gave me some really cool directions to go. And so, yeah, we have another great thing here. And what I like about the ending of Snuff is that you have this kind of longer period where there's nothing but silence. Yeah. And 
I was just like, well, what, 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 how do I end that silence? <laughs> and that's with Corey whispering, I push my fingers into my eyes. And I was just like, yep, that's how it has to be right there. <laughs> so that brings us to the final song, Duality, which is my favorite Slipknot song. This is a real headbanger. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was their biggest hit. This is kind of the the song that took them to that stadium level. Yeah. It's off their third album. And this was this was the point where they transitioned from being just this balls to the wall, extreme, disgusting metal band to a band that could fill a stadium. And there's some rap stuff in here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm not a big fan of rap, but I like those sections on this song. I was going to say, I like the breakdown after the beginning verse. Um, of course, how the guitars really complement the melody of the chorus is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of opened my eyes a little bit to what metal could be, what metal kind of brings to the table musically, especially mm-hmm. with their guitars. Like, it's not just this, like, chaos. There's actually some structure and some form and riffing off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this song really highlights it even though it is a classic has a classic heavy metal song feel to it yeah for sure what a great chorus hook yes that's that's kind of the thing that always stood out to me i was just like what this is such a great chorus i will say this song is not as in your face as i thought it was going to be yeah especially coming out of snuff i was expecting something like hard hitting in your face and it it Mm -hmm. is but it's not as it's not as heavy as some of their other stuff that I would have imagined. Yeah. And that was, again, it was a little bit intentional. I wanted this to be a bit of an easier, even though there is some harder stuff in the first half, I wanted this to be a bit more of an easier step into Slipknot. And so um, that when it gets to that point after he's been yelling, all I've got is insane, all I've got is insane, and does that last big build, and he does that, push my fingers into my... And he goes back in that chorus. To me, that was the moment where the whole set collides right there. Like, we've talked about the moment in the set where you have that catharsis, kind of how on the ACDC one when... When in We Salute You, they hit that point where the tempo speeds up. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of the reason why I wanted to have duality right at the end. Yeah. Is... The change up at the end is actually quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for the set, but even in the song, just how they kind of switch things up a little and change gears a little bit is actually pretty nice. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was wanting to accomplish with having this song being at the end is to have that have that anthemic release of all the emotions. It's not as much about the sadness and about the depression, but then at this point, it's about just letting it out and just, <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, that big, big song, my favorite Slipknot song. It's the song that when I heard it from them, I finally went, okay, I like Slipknot now because of this song. And the other songs took more time to grow on me, but Duality was the song for me that sold me. And just like, okay, I will put more effort into getting to know their music because I like this song so much. And so... That's our six songs for this week? That's our six songs. It's it's actually kind of quite a shame that I didn't have a... I almost teetered with putting a song of theirs called The Heretic Anthem. <laughs> 
where the the iconic line is, uh, if you're 555, then I'm 666. And so that would have been funny and just got six songs. Six, six, six. <laughs> That's a banger of a song. I'll probably get that at some point on here. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about the bonus song and wrap things up, get uh, Justin's opinions on what he's listened to, and then um, we'll wrap things up and let you know what's going to be going on next week. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back. We have been talking about Slipknot, and um, we went through our six songs. Those songs were uh, Unsainted, Pulse of the Maggots, Left Behind, Devil and I, uh, Snuff, and Duality. And so now it is time to get to the bonus song. So we we went hard for the bonus song on this one. This song is very, was very hard for me to listen to. Yeah. I don't think I listened to it very long. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I get it. The The reason I put the song in was... So, it's kind of a fun little um, full circle. So, Slipknot was discovered on OzFest. And now Slipknot is big enough that they have their own fest called KnotFest. And so, they kind of do are able to do the same thing. And so, they get to take other bands out with them on the road and it's like when you go to one of their shows it's like a festival pretty much you're seeing all these different bands playing and one of the bands that is on tour with them right now on Knockfest is Behemoth and Behemoth is one of the heaviest most extreme bands in metal right now but they're really quickly gaining status as one of the biggest extreme metal bands in the world right now they in the last probably five years, have just exploded. Now, this song is actually from like 2003 or 2004. So this is actually one of their older songs, but it was one of the songs that kind of first got them on the map. It's called Conquer All. And Behemoth, you could describe their style as almost death metal, but with some black metal elements thrown in there. And... Um, it's just, it's heavy, it's fast, it's meant to just be, like, just brutal in every sense of the word. It was very brutal. I, like I said, I only listened to two minutes of this song, but I think the one thing that caught me off guard was I was not expecting the vocals to sound like it did. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot of layered vocals. The vocals are the hardest part of the song to get through. Yeah. It's actually a fairly melodic song guitar wise yes there's a lot of a lot of great musical moments guitar wise yeah i was gonna say the the way that the guitars are panned in the beginning is really interesting Mm -hmm. and then also uh the guitars just really kind of make it sound like there's just a battle happening yeah they're just kind of just the way they're riffing off of each other well i mean conquer all that's what it's about it's about conquering your enemy out on on the battlefield and so um you know, I think that you need to give it another listen because once you, there's actually not that much vocal in it. I think you cut off right when the vocals were just about over because there's a great switch up at about the two thirds part of the song. Yeah, I didn't get that far. <laughs> Where it switches rhythms, it goes from a 4 4 to a 3 4, mm. and there's a great guitar melodic moment in there. And then there's just a small little bit of vocals that come in right at the very end. But I think you should give it another listen to, even if you fast forward. Go to about the two-thirds point of the song. There's a great transition moment in there. 
that switches up the entire feel of the song. And so I really like the song, but this is a song that if you're not used to listening to metal, you're going to get overloaded very quickly. This was, I mean, Slipknot was pretty in your face. Mm -hmm. And this was 10 times more that. And I was definitely not prepared for that. Yeah. And part of that's my bad. I'm just, again, I'm going to, I'm going to be more intentional about not just throwing you right into the deep end. We're going to, we're going to wade into there to where if you hear this again, it's not going to be as shocking and like, wait, what the heck is happening? I think all in all, I was slightly, uh, surprised at just the journey that we went through with Slipknot. Yeah. Just because it was it was kind of a little bit of what there were elements of what I thought I was expecting to hear. But there were some stuff like snuff, um and even um shoot, what was the song before that? Uh Devil and I. Uh The Devil and I that I actually didn't mind as much and actually was pretty musically was actually nice to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, like you kind of with I think with a lot of metal music, you have to really appreciate the the artistry and the the technicality of it. I mean, what they're doing is incredible mm-hmm. and just so crazy, so much just noise and and sound. But there is there is an element to it. I think I think you had mentioned earlier, like they're not just doing it just for that sake. Like there mm-hmm. is a purpose to it. There's some there's some there's actually trying to make something. Yeah. The whole point of this set of songs is to kind of subvert your expectations in a way. Again, Slipknot's name comes with so much baggage and so much, so many preconceived notions that so many people make up their mind about exactly what it is and what their opinion is of it. And not to say that if they still have that opinion after they listen to it, (laughs) that's okay. But I wanted to at least give you and whoever is listening at least a fair shot to go, this might not be what you think it is. There might be, just might be more to it than you think. There are other sides to them that don't get put in the headlines. And so that's what I wanted to do. Um, I, we probably won't return to them for quite a long time. There's so many other bands I want to get to before then, but they've still got quite a few other great quality songs that I, I want to return to at some point. I think what I took away from this from this week is that uh, they're a very versatile band, a lot more than I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, very talented. They incorporate so many different elements, which is probably what makes them stand out from a lot of metal bands mm-hmm. um and even as they as you've said like even as they have softened up a little bit it's still they've just made they've found a way to stick around and still be relevant and i think a lot of that has to do with just just how much they incorporate into their music and i i think that has helped them to kind of stand the test of time they're not af- well. they're not afraid to go back to the to the wellspring of rock and roll yeah And so I think that that's a very important thing. I don't think it's selling out when you go back to what worked and you some, and you fuse it with what is special about you. I will most likely listen to this when, um, I'll most likely listen to their new album release only because I'm interested to see, especially in this day day and age where, um, you know, the synthesizer has made a comeback and Mm -hmm. all these 
new digital sounds and samples. I'm interested to see how much they they utilize it. And I mean, especially having listened through Unsainted, mm-hmm. you can already tell there's some there's some elements of some electronic stuff in there. And so I'm interested to see how much more they'll they'll incorporate in that. Yeah, I'm really excited to listen to it. Um, for those of you, by the time this episode is out, the, the album will be out. So go check it out if you like what you've listened to. Um, again, I'll have the description or the instructions in the description. I keep messing that up. The description in the... No, the instructions in the description on how to find the songs for uh, this week. And um, please go listen to the songs. If... Um, if you're not listening to the songs and you've never heard them before and you just listen to us talk, then you're only getting half of the experience. So um, this is a an artist you may be listening to and you may be a big Slipknot fan. You might be like, cool, awesome. They're talking about a great band I like. Still go listen to the songs. You might hear them in this order and might give you a new perspective on them. If you're listening to us and you're like, I've never listened to Slipknot, then who knows? Maybe you might hear something that you like that you never knew before. So, um, the whole journey about this is going to kind of be opening our minds and experiencing something new, maybe things that we would have never listened to before had we not, um, um, talked about them. So that is kind of my hope and goal of this entire podcast is to maybe introduce you to new music that you like, that you wouldn't have heard of before. So... Even if one person does that, even if it's just Justin that hears something new that he likes that he didn't hear before, then it's worth it to me. So um, please hit the subscribe wherever you're listening um, so that way you get notified whenever a new episode comes out. We have new episodes that come out every Monday morning at 9 o'clock, so, uh, and that's central time. So maybe that'll hit you on the way to work or... Um, you can listen just kind of whatever you're doing on your Monday morning and, uh, hopefully it'll be, uh, a part of your routine next week. We're going into one of my all time favorites and that is Pink Floyd. Yes. So we're gonna, we're gonna be listening to some incredibly well-made music next time. So please make sure that you tune in for that. Um, thank you so much for listening. And uh, this is Lucas. This is Justin. And keep on listening to good music. Thanks.